Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast. Answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week right here on VolQuest. Good Thursday, everybody, and welcome to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. It's presented by Exterior Home Solutions. For a free estimate, you can give them a call today at 865-524-5888. That's Exterior Home Solutions. Free estimates. Give them a call today at 865-524-5888. Awesome price. Brent Hubbs, Eric Kane here with you. We've got a lot of questions to get into here for this edition of the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. And We'll go ahead and start off with Nashville 94 with UT and the NCAA going to court. How do you see this playing out? Also, could this significantly affect recruiting? Brian, if you want to start us off. Well, I don't think we're going to have a resolution or, or anything in final detail for a couple of months. Um, Tennessee is scheduled to go to uh, a hearing in Cincinnati uh, the 19th, 20th, and 21st of this month. There will be no ruling to come out of that immediately. It'll take weeks to a couple of months before that is there. Um, obviously, Austin, this is not where Tennessee wanted this to go. They wanted a resolution uh, before it ever got to this point, but uh, a resolution hasn't been reached. And, and I think part of this and talking to some people feels more, it feels a little bit like NCAA protocol as much as it does. I think the perception is it's an offer, a counter offer, like you're negotiating to buy a car or something like that. And, and that's not really the case here. I, I think, uh, the NCAA is is wanting to be very um, – to do their full due diligence, and I think they want to go through all the proper procedures as as opposed to just, quote, signing off on something. Yeah, I, you know, they separated, like, the Drew Hughes, um, you know, Brian Niedermeyer, Shelton Felton, all those from, you know, all this. But there still remains DA, who literally just walked out of the building. <laughs> walked out of the building and just went to the NFL. And I don't think he's ever done anything with them. No. Um, and remember that those other, those other guys, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but those other guys, Niedermeyer, Drew Hughes, Sheldon Felton, they all reached settlements. They all agreed to basically NCAA uh, punishment. Um, that's not been where Jeremy Pruitt is at in this thing. Uh, he was, I think most people felt like he would see this to the finish line all the way through and not just take, some handed down punishment. And I'm not sure if Derek Ansley will show up at this hearing or not. He might just stay in the NFL and say, Hey, I'm not worried about it. He hasn't talked to anybody about any of this yet. So I'm not sure we'll see him in Cincinnati. The question though, Austin is what does it do for recruiting with this hanging out there? Does it have an effect? Yeah, I'm not sure it does because ultimately um, it, it really has no bearing on, you know, the Tennessee on the field um, as of right now. Um, you know, does, you know, could a school or two, you know, use it against Tennessee with a kid or two um, and impact them? Sure. I, I do think that could happen um, in the uh, in the short term. But I, I think ultimately it's not going to have a whole lot of say, um, you know, with anything uh, pertaining to recruiting um, as of right now. Now, 
you know, if Tennessee has to give up a few more scholarships, again, those are things that recruits don't see. Those are things that fans don't see. Um, you know, if you can only sign 23 instead of 25, you know, most fans aren't even going to know that exists. They don't, you know, I mean, like it just, it's, it's one of those kind of things that like, maybe you feel it, you know, um, but like you don't see it. And so, so many fans or recruits have to be able to see it um, yeah. in my mind. Yeah, it's a great point. There's been some recruiting restrictions already that Tennessee has self-imposed and nobody. And yeah, nobody knew that they even did it. Right. Nobody had any idea. Didn't didn't affect the signing class they put together didn't, and no fan knew. Yeah, I mean, perfect know. example. The last two years, Tennessee started on a Thursday night. At neither one of those games did they have recruits. No one said anything. No one knew. No one cares. Because ultimately, they were going to get, what, two, three people here and some local kids, max, for a Thursday night game right before a Friday night football game. I say in season high two, yeah. Kids, like that's, you know, kids just aren't going to come to that unless you play at Powell or Oak Ridge or Catholic. And even then, like those high school coaches are like, we have a game the next day. Like you don't need to be out there till midnight. You know, we need to be focusing on beating school blank. And so – you know that that was uh, something that Tennessee's already done. I mean, they they again they've you know they they counted several scholarships to this point already. Um, you know because again, you know when you were down twelve or whatever that first year, it was easy to to give twelve. So um, you know I, ultimately like unless unless the NCAA tries to push a bowl ban, which you know again everybody you know continues to say the NCAA is getting away from that. The NCAA is getting away from that. Um, I just don't think that any of this stuff is something that fans will ever feel because they won't see it. Let's go to CN31 after Hugh Freeze comments about wanting to play other teams in a spring game. What are your thoughts? Sounds like a good idea on the surface, uh, but considering how beat up rosters are at this point in the spring, it might not be the best idea. You, you know, Hubber, basketball started doing that in the last few years. Look at the Gonzaga uh, scrimmage, Michigan State. If you can control it and kind of make it like an NFL practice, you know how like the, the Raiders and the Cowboys, they get together and they, you know, practice a couple of days at, you know, Las Vegas or whatever. Um, I, I think that's doable. I don't know if you have a full-fledged game. I think that's where it gets dicey. You know, if Tennessee were to go play Boston College for in a, in a spring game, I think that's where it gets dicey. But could you actually do some 11-on-11 work against a school and kind of do a, like a, 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 a modified practice Sure, I think so. I, I thought um, I think it's Zach Barnett from Football Scoop had an interesting take on this to, to on Wednesday when when he called one of the directors of the coaches association and asked him about it, and he said, "You know, look, this has been a debate for twenty years." He goes, "But one of the new debates in there is the transfer portal. You got a window opens up right after spring practice is over." So what if you scrimmage a school like let, let's use the Hugh Freeze example, right? So Auburn scrimmages Troy or UAB or Alabama State, and some running back at Alabama State runs wild on Auburn's defense. Auburn gonna call him and say, "Hey, hey, we got a little NIL money over here. You interested?" Is they gonna send some back channels to try to get the guy into the portal and and that type of thing? Listen, I don't think that would happen on any kind of regular basis, but that is an interesting thought that we know how coaches are um, and, and, and how worried they get about things and how much they think about things. Um, that, that's an interesting question. I, I'm with you, Austin. I think if you do that, it would be more likely the controlled practice type deal like, like you're talking about with the NFL. I just don't at the end of the day know how many 
coaches are really going to be on board with, with, with showing everybody stuff, right? I mean, I, I think we're going to get more and more in the more world of don't even do a spring game and instead of advancing the spring games into some other kind of scrimmage. Look, the spring games forever used to be about what, Eric? Signing autographs, right? I mean, yeah. everybody's seen the Chariots of Fire uh, running across the, the field to go see Nick Saban at Alabama, right? Those memes are out there everywhere. Th- those day, With NIL, those days are over, right? I mean, that, that, nobody's doing an autograph session with a team. So how, how, what, is a, what is a spring game attendance going to be like across the board when you take away some of that fan interaction that really went away with COVID and has never come back, and now with NIL is never going to come back? I think if you polled coaches – and got them to talk honestly, they'd all say, most all of them would say, we're good, no spring game. Just give us one more close scrimmage, we'll go to the house. Yeah, I want to assume those coaches don't like them being broadcasted on the SEC network either, right? I mean, sure, it, it gets exposure and all that, but at the end of the for day, 70, it's... For $74 million, they better like it. <laughs> That's true, yeah. That's true. I I um I mean the the fan day is not what it used to be in the early 2000s, of course, and you know, growing up in the 90s and all that. Um, I, I like where Austin is kind of, of in terms of, it's gotta be group of five though. Like if you were ever going to do this and I don't think it'll ever happen, but it's gotta be group of five. It can't be, you know, the, the Marable colleges, the Carson Newman's, the Sewanee's it can't like for Tennessee, you know, it can't, it can't be that it would have to be the ETSU's UT chats, the, you know, the Martins, the, all that stuff of schools. And there could be no kick. There could be no special teams really, unless you just do no tackling whatsoever, no kickoffs, no punts. It would have to be very, very, very modified. But I, I agree with you in terms of it's moving more to not doing it than it would be to doing, you know, those type of scrimmages, if you will, in the spring. Let's go to Nashville six one five. Drop your prediction for MVP of the spring game, both offensively and defensively. Oh, AP, let's let's just have fun. Deshaun Bishop for offensive MVP. AP Jack Jansen's hurt, so he can't, he's not in the running here. <laughs> How about that, AP? Deshaun Bishop's my pick. No, I don't even know. I'm going to go with McAllen Castles. And uh, defensively, uh, give me Caleb Perry. Give me an edge guy on defense. Give me a a, Yeah, give give me Ricky Gibson on defense. And, I mean – Let's go, Nathan Lee. It's got to be like somebody that's with the twos, right? Because that's when that's when the guys are really shy. Give me Nathan Lee, cock on offense. All right, there you go. Deshaun Bishop's a good one because he's kind of the trendy guy that's standing out right now in terms At of. What point, Austin? Do you name this like the the you know they've got the the Harvey Robinson Award for offensive improvement? When did they name this like the Kirsten Biggers MVP award? David Yancey. The David Yancey MVP. The Biggers the Biggers Yancey Spring Improvement Award. Spring spring game MVP. Put it on the resume, right? Sure. Scott, Let's go to what Altizer was here for all that. He should be pushing for it. <laughs> CP4UT says, does our larger recruiting board with more higher level recruits than in years past have any impact on the urgency recruits feel to commit sooner rather than sooner to secure a spot? Well, it depends on how much pressure Tennessee puts on them. I mean, like, you know, if Tennessee's you know, uh, not going to put much pressure on them. I don't think it puts any more urgency there because um, kids are going to kind of go at their own uh, pace. So, you know, if Tennessee says, hey, 
we're taking two and we already got one and these three guys are committing in the next two weeks that's how you put pressure yeah see me in june see me in june when some guys come back and official visits start to get going and then i think that's when you see that you know what june june's the new december is or the new january is that how we're calling that now i mean that that's when i think you really start to ramp some things up right now Everything in an unofficial visit is, hey, here's how practice is. Our culture is great. Come back and see us. We want to get you back here in June for, for a visit of some kind. So I, I think if that era, if that happens with anybody around the country, I think it's more about June. Tennessee's just being smart. Uh, Austin and Eric, in my opinion, are just broadening their board. They just – I mean, that would be my one lone criticism, really, of them the last couple of years. I don't think they've recruited – in certain positions, they've recruited enough guys, right? sign three receivers or sign three at this position and only recruiting, you know, five or six guys there. I mean, you just got to have a deeper pool of guys there. And that pool's easier to get right now because Tennessee, as Austin likes to say, is a cool school compared to where it was two years ago. Also, I mean, the 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 cycle's not done and, and you're not completely done, but I mean, almost best case scenario – you have 20 or so odd in the in the boat before you kick off, right? I mean, last football season was ideal. You had your class almost all the way built, and you were really just trying to finish it during season, right, Austin? No, that's right, and, and that's how it's going to be, you know, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Most kids are going to come off the board post-June visits sometime in July and August. Most everyone will be off the board then. There'll be some stragglers that go into the fall, a few even more stragglers that make it into December, and then, you know, there's the rare unicorn that doesn't sign until February. Um, everybody is, uh, you know, coming off the board. It's just the, the new wave. I mean, June official visits is the thing, right? Like very few kids are taking those officials in season or in December. So recruiting really starts in July. Once kids start recruiting, that's when the pressure comes around, right? I mean, that's when you start looking at, start looking at things there because that's when guys really start to feel it and everybody gets going really hot and heavy on a kid is once he commits somewhere, it changes. I mean, their, their phones ring in some cases a lot more after they commit than they do before they commit. Yeah. You know, and it's been this way and it was not just this way with, with, with hypes crew, but you know, even, even Pruitt's, you know, crew, you know, just didn't have a whole lot of decommitments. Like, I mean, like we, we've just not dealt with a lot of flip flopping around, you know, um, barring a coaching change. Um, the last think, yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I mean, both of you guys can answer this. Don't you think that has something to do with the fact that when a guy commits, he's been to so many places, he's been to the school he's committed to so many times that that there's a little more finality in decisions for most kids now because nobody's making more of a spur, you know, kind of a spur decision or a quick, you know, decision. I mean, you have a few instances like that, but in, in most cases, guys have seen the school they're committing to multiple times. Yeah, which think I, about I think it slows it down a little bit. The, the flips. Think about like a July commitment, excluding the you know Eccles twenty twenty four, right? But like those July commitments last year, they were at, you know probably at a game last fall. They were at a January junior day. They came back for a spring practice in March. They came for an official visit in June. And then they pulled the trigger. And some of those guys, like Jeremiah T. Lander, I mean, they were, you know, in there a couple more times in between that as well. So I think there's a lot to that, Austin. I mean, guys are just on campus so much. And, you know, we kind of make fun of it, but it's it's ideal. It's like, oh, hey, good to see you. Come back. Come back. Come back. I mean, 
it, it makes a lasting impression. Yeah, again, the more you can get them here, the better chance you got at them. Doolittle Vol, who wins the Masters? I, I said this. Uh, I've said this all week. Rory has, you know, had the pressure and the weight of the world on him uh, for the last several years as he tried to complete the career grand slam. But it's been in the last year as he's become the, you know, the flag bearer for the PGA Tour. He's put all the weight and the pressure on himself, and he's performed at a high level. I think that's prepared him for this week, and I think he finally gets across the hump and wins the career grand slam. Let's go to Dalval 14. Got a couple questions. Will Joe Milton be willing? Will, will he be a willing runner this year? Um, and when he plays uh, in RPOs and when plays break down, seems he just arm punts it when the play breaks down right now. Um, run pass options are not quarterback runs. I want to get that clear. But back to the question, Joe Milton running the football. He's no Hinton Hooker, Brent, but he's he's dropped 10 pounds. He's trying to be more mobile. Yeah, I mean, I think he realizes he needs to be more mobile in the pocket. He needs to be able to extend plays. Is he going to have the elusiveness or the escapability of Hendon Hooker? Probably not. Uh, but I do think he's a willing runner. I think you saw that in the Clemson game. I think he wanted to get – he wanted to lose the weight so that he was better in improv plays when things break down. And um, I think that's something that he's been mindful of and um, probably going to need to be quick on his feet, you know, particularly early in the year as Tennessee tries to get solidified on the offensive line. He's probably going to feel some edge pressure. So pocket presence is going to be really important for him. And uh, I do think he's willing, you know, to run. Now, there are going to be some times where just get rid of it is a win. You know, I mean, sometimes they get you. And it happened to Hendon Hooker last year. There were times that that it was a jailbreak and Hendon Hooker got got um, on a blitz. And the best thing you can do is just get rid of the ball. Right? No, that's right. And, and you know, the thing about Joe is, is – if, when he came in, in in relief last year, it felt like he, he did look to run a little bit more, and they called a few for him. Um, those last two games I don't think are a good representation because there was nothing behind Joe. So, like, running him probably wasn't like a like a, like in Tennessee's best interest against Vanderbilt and or Clemson. So, um, you know, I'm interested to see how they use him, you know, providing he – you know, does his, what he's supposed to do and holds on to the job. I'm interested to see how they use him this fall. Like, you know, because there will be a little deeper behind him than they were, you know, those last two games. So speaking of that too, I mean, how is Nico coming along? Do you feel, you know, comfortable with Nico in there running the offense, say in September, third week of September or whatever? I mean, that obviously will have a lot to do with it as well. Uh, second question here, if healthy, how would you rate the running back room of Small, Wright, and Sampson? Is an average room for an SEC team? Is this an average room for an SEC team or what? Well, I mean, I haven't looked at everybody's, you know, running back room out there, but you know who they are. I mean, I, I think you've seen Jabari Small play for three years. Um, you've seen Jalen Wright play for two years. Uh, you, you, you know what kind of backs those guys are. And um, they are what they are. I, I don't think either either one of them are superstars, um, but I think they're effective backs. I think Dylan Sampson's got more speed. He's put on five pounds. We'll, we'll see where he's at. Um, but, I mean, I, I think they're probably about where they were a year ago in terms of how they stack up with, with the rest of the SEC and, and, and running back rooms. 
We'll continue on with your questions here in just one moment. But remember, college basketball season, it's over with, but you can still get in on a whole lot of action over at MyBookie. Whether you're filling out brackets next year, whether you're playing daily blackjack tournaments, uh, betting on eventual national championships for your sports, or simply looking for player game props, MyBookie has you covered. Getting started with MyBookie is super simple. Visit the website online, make your first deposit, and use that promo code VOLQUEST to claim an exclusive deposit bonus. That is promo code VOLQUEST, V-O-L-Q-U-E-S-T, to claim some extra money on top of your initial deposit. With hundreds of thousands in prizes for March Madness every single year and weekly blackjack tournaments, you can turn your your game day into payday. That's with MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere, with my bookie, and as always, a big shout out to the presenting sponsor of the Mel- the Mailbag Podcast and the Volquest Podcast. That is Exterior Home Solutions. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's go to Rocky Top Rowdy 58. Player to take a big step next year. Similar to what Aaron Beasley uh, did this last year, Austin Price. I'm going to go with Danico Slaughter is my pick. Uh, even though he made plays down the stretch, I think that um, his willingness to embrace the position, um, I, I think he can be a. I think he's got a chance to be a really good corner for Tennessee. So that's my kind of off the wall pick. You know, I'm going to go Wesley Walker. I'm not sure he's going to do anything um, spectacular. I just think he's going to kind of be steady, Eddie, and consistent back there, kind of like. Todd Kelly Jr. was kind of always around the ball. Um, you know, again, is, is he going to be back there being beyond Grant? No. But, uh, you know, I think he's a smart player. He's a heady football player. And this is honestly why he came to Tennessee was to play safety, not nickel. He came here to play safety. So I know he's uh, he's excited for that opportunity. Yeah, I'm a little surprised we haven't heard some some Bryson Eason buzz to this point in spring practice. Aren't you, AP? The way he closed last year, I thought I thought maybe there was the real corner. And I'm not saying he's having a bad spring, but you wonder. I mean, he could be one of those guys because he flashed at times last year where you thought, okay, that that it, everything is really turned around for him. Is he building off of that? What does that look like when you get into fall too? That that could be another one if he ever got it together on a consistent basis. Yeah, and and that's a and that's a great uh, and and that's a great person to look at because again. He's got the talent, you know, the defensive line coach sure hopes he can realize the potential because he he knows he's got the talent. And, you know, if you get that click and the light bulb comes on for consistency again, it's all about that consistency. There have been plenty of players that have kind of, you know, flashed here and there. Elijah Simmons, another one that flashes. But can he consistently flash? I will go, and this is a different kind of a different ballpark. I'm going young guy that got his toes wet last year. That's you know poised for more playing time this year. I'll go James Pierce, um, and then Elijah Herring would be my other one. And that kind of goes us uh, segues us into another question here from uh, let's see Volchris three seven two one. Who's going to be the first linebacker in after the first two, assuming that Beasley and Peely start? 
I mean, Austin, mine would be Elijah Herring, right? Um, you love what Aaron Carter's given you so far, uh, but Elijah Herring is another year into the system. He's played a little bit. He's gotten a whole lot better. I think Elijah Herring would probably be that guy. I think it depends, Hubber, like, you know, which position, because Peely and, and, and Beasley play two different spots. And so, you know, if it's, if it's Peely, probably is Elijah Herring. If it's Beasley coming out, I might lean Arion Carter. But then if one of those guys would get hurt, they're so close they can be interchangeable to where if someone's out for an extended period of time, one of those guys could switch to the other one and play. But to your point, maybe for a snap or two, it could be depending on if it's Sam or Mike. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's a situation, who, what opponent you're playing, um, what what you're doing at that time. If that's a team throwing it a lot, maybe you're maybe you're playing a guy who, who's better in space, you know, and that I think is probably ultimately going to be Arian Carter. Um, you know, if it's Peely's spot, you're coming downhill in the run game, you're probably talking more about, you know, Elijah Herring or, or Caleb Perry in there. So, I, I mean, I think it's going to be a little bit situational. Um, and then we'll see where guys are come the end of, of fall camp. I mean, it, the beautiful thing about Tennessee, now it's not great for some of the veteran guys and everything else. You better not take any time off this summer. <laughs> yeah. Because, because there is no arriving. I mean, Willie Martinez said it best today. Okay. Now we'll see if he goes through with it when we get to fall, but there, there's no one, two or three right now in the secondary. I'm going to tell you right now, those young linebackers aren't going away. So you, you better, you better keep going. If you're Caleb Perry and you're Elijah Herring and, and, and understand there's competition and you better push the people in front of you, um, which is a good thing. That's where you want Tennessee to be. So, I don't know that you can answer that question today. I mean, if they were playing tomorrow, I would say Elijah Herring. Um, but because he's just mentally further along than where Arian Carter is, what do they look like coming into fall camp? Might be a different story, too. And, like, Beasley would have been that guy, obviously, at the beginning of last year. But he was – I consider him a starter last year. But the guy, the fourth one in, if you if you want to call it that, it was going to be Pat Garland healthy. Of course, he was never healthy last year. Um, and he's got a red jersey on this spring. But it was going to be Pat Garland last year, but a much, much, much deeper room this year with some of that young talent you're talking about. Let's go to iHeart Vols baseball question. How do you feel about the baseball Vols today compared to how you felt about them a week ago compared to how you felt about them before opening day? It's a good question. Brent, I think that before opening day, you knew they would go through some struggles for sure because you were replacing everybody in the lineup. Um, I thought the outfield. They were all undefeated. <laughs> I thought the outfield would be solidified much. I mean, it's still not right. I thought the outfield would, would have come together a lot quicker than, than what it has. I wasn't expecting some of the defensive miscue so far. So in that concept, it's a little disappointing uh, compared to it a week ago. I mean, again, Tennessee lost the series, the number one LSU, but self-inflicting errors is why you lost that series. They were right there the entire way. They fought, they, they fought, they scratched, they clawed. They proved to me that they can still beat anybody in the country. So it's a good team. Just stop beating yourself. And, you know, this is what SEC baseball is all about, Brent. It's you're going to be challenged every single weekend. I thought they'd be better in the infield in the preseason. Yeah. I thought they'd be more consistent, you know, in the infield. Wouldn't make some of the mistakes that they're making there. That's the biggest thing for me. Um, as a result of that, you know, until they can show they consistently do that, that's going to be a, a concern each and every weekend for Tennessee. I think they're getting better. I mean, I, Austin, I think you you talked about this on the Tuesday podcast, maybe it was, or on the Rewind. I mean, I feel like this team is getting better. It's just how how much further and how quickly can they go 
uh, to clean some things up that need to get cleaned up. Because I think their bats are getting better. I, I think they're swinging the bat better, hitting the ball better. And I think they're, I think their starting pitching is probably, while not been as dominant as fans would have expected, I don't think it's been bad. Yeah, I think that they've really improved. If you just say from Missouri to now, every week they're getting better. Now, every week they're still making some, like, cringeworthy mistakes. But, I mean, like, again, if you go back to Missouri, into the following week against A&M, into the following week against LSU, it, it feels like they are getting better week by week, whether it's the pitching, the relief pitching, the hitting. Now it's just going to bring the fielding along because that's where it's a headache. I think what Tennessee wants the most out of this weekend, obviously you want to win the series, but you better hope that you play games one and two without getting any rain delays because you need Chase Burns to have some consistency in his starts because he's the one that's just getting the crap hit out of him right now. Extra base hit, extra base hit. Um, and they need to – I mean, his ERA in, in SEC play is, is not good. Uh, he needs to get back to being more like Chase Burns for sure. So hopefully the rain will stay away to where he can make his start on Friday – back-to-back starts on Friday, and he can look more like himself. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, last week, I, I mean, they, they proved to me that they can still beat anybody in the country, and I don't think I would have said that two or three weeks ago for sure, knowing yes. that they still have a lot of talent on the roster. They don't need any rainouts this weekend. I mean, it's a home series. you got to take care of business at home. They need to play yeah. three baseball games this weekend. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I talked to some people, just because they're starting a day earlier, like say, a, a, you know, say Saturday gets rained out or whatever, they won't play on Sunday. The stipulations are the series is Thursday to Saturday. If this were later in the season and it had to do with, you know, tournament seating and all that, they probably play it. But as, as far as I understand, you're not playing on Easter Sunday this year because it wasn't scheduled to be on Easter Sunday. Let's go to Z Vols. How many draft picks will next year's team have? Names to consider, of course, Milton, Wright, Small, Brew, Keaton, Thornton, so on and so forth. How many draft picks could you see Tennessee having, knowing a lot of that has to do with this upcoming season? Yeah, I don't know because I mean, however, I mean, it's just too much football to be played between now and then. I mean, you know, there's some obviously some talented players um, that would be draft eligible, but uh, the, the, you know, it, you know it, it probably be about the same as this past year. Maybe not as many that could potentially go in rounds one and two, but you know, still several that get drafted. Yeah, I mean, that, we just have to see. I mean, you know, who, who knows who, who's productive and who jumps out? I mean, two years ago, nobody had. Cedric Tillman on a draft board, and nobody had Hendrick and Hooker, and Darnell Wright wasn't very high on the board. So <laughs> Jalen Hyatt was nowhere to be found. Jalen Hyatt was nowhere to be found. So I mean, you just got to see how how they go and produce. You know, how, how do guys develop over the summer? I mean, there's certainly some talent there, um, but you know, some of these guys are having to prove or proving it for the first time, and we'll see. I mean, Thornton could have a huge year, right? He might not. I mean, we just have to wait and see. I think, and, and of course, I'm just looking at the names that are listed here, and I'm sure there are other ones that I'm forgetting, but of draft-eligible players, like the highest potential of being a, a high draft pick would be Thornton or, obviously, Joe Milton. But Joe Milton, you know, both those guys have got to got to absolutely ball out this year. And then if there's an offensive tackle, they can take a huge, huge step. Um, but outside of that, a lot of the guys that, you know, will be going through the draft process next year, you know, linebackers, running backs, interior, you know, stuff like that, interior offensive line. Um, let's go, let's go here to hitter. As far as young receivers go, Nimrod and Leacock seem to be getting the noise, but can't recall hearing Webb's name mentioned an awful lot. How was he doing, Brent? 
he made a couple plays in the scrimmage on Saturday. I mean, he's he's doing some things. I think I think Nimrod's probably more productive right now. Uh, people are talking about Laycock because the head coach mentioned Laycock Saturday after the scrimmage, uh, but he, he's a guy who's still very much learning. I mean, he's he is still very much trying to figure it out each and every day on the practice field. I think they just like to see some more consistency out of Caleb Webb uh, than, than what they've seen. You're starting to see a little more of that consistency out of Chaz Nimrod, which is why I think he's ahead of those two guys right now. Let's get two more. We'll go to West Tennessee Mike. Uh, last mailbag pod, AP said he wasn't sure if Tennessee would take those three tight ends. Any clarity on that after asking? I have not asked. Okay. Not asked. That's not that was a few days ago and or maybe or sorry, it was a week ago on the mailbag pod, but I've not I've not asked. I think right now, like Tennessee would, you know, would I'm sure I, I, I'm fairly confident in saying Tennessee would take them and figure it out. Yeah. Yes. I, I don't think Jaden Riddell's scared off by anyone. Agreed. And so, you know, and I think LeBlanc is going to uh, announce before Jaden Riddell. But again, LeBlanc had himself a good time at Ohio State. To me, that's Tennessee's biggest competition. The Buckeyes do normally. Uh, you know, fairly well with Northern kids. And I know that, you know, the kids from Canada, he's not from, you know, Ohio or, you know, Indiana, but at the same time, um, you know, I think that that's going to be your, your major competition. And then William on this one, Nashville six, one, five, what's Tennessee's legitimate potential for a top five class this year? Who are some of the names that they can't miss out on to have a top five class? Well, I mean, I think, you know, you've got to land someone in that Ryan Wingo, Mike Matthews, you know, duo. You've got to, you know, you know, either land LeBlanc or Riddell, preferably probably Riddell if you're trying to get to top five because he's ranked so high. You know, you've got to land the Camerion Franklins of the world. You know, can you can you swing, a, you know, an Iffy, you know, or a, or a Nawarini, um, you know, the big defensive lineman from Missouri. Like, these are all players that I think, you know, to get to top five, you've got to land your share of those type players. All right, good stuff this week here for the Mailbag Podcast every single – I have a mailbag question. I'm going to submit my own. AP, Champions Dinner. We saw what the menu was this week. Give me your Champions Dinner if you were were rolling in with your green jacket at the Butler Cabin. What are you doing? Well, I'm a a meat and potatoes guy, Hub, so it would be a filet. Um, I mean, I mean, here's my thing. Would you take that and make it a traditional meal or would you do like just kind of some oddball combinations of just like things I enjoy homemade, homemade French fries. I mean, I'm being serious. I mean, I'm being serious too. I mean, yours would have no vegetables being served, right? Well, no, I would serve them for everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) It's your dinner. You get to pick what you want to pick. I know, but, uh, I, I did like the skillet cookie that Scotty did uh, Tuesday night. Uh, All right, Eric Kane, what are you rolling with? That's vanilla ice cream on top of that bad boy, Hover. You're doing some, you're doing some pizza, Eric Kane. What are you rolling in there? <laughs> I am probably going to go a filet with grilled asparagus and cornbread. Ooh, cornbread. Good call. No. What about you, Hover? Uh, I'm going to go a little surf and turf. We're going to have some kind of, we're going to have a filet with some kind of either shrimp or some fish. Um, as for my sides, I, I don't know. I probably do, I mean, do some bizarre stuff, some French fries. I, I might have like, 
I might have it like a buffet. I might like have like three meats and like one, you know, two sides, random sides about something and some biscuits in there. Uh, I was a fan of the cookie skillet, but you got to go out with a couple of different desserts as well. So, <laughs> you know, I, I'm just curious. What, what, I mean, everybody's going steak. Everybody's going with a filet is what you're saying. That's yeah. what, That's what no. I would go. Yeah. No cheeseburgers, no chicken tenders. Well, no, no, get away from the, from the that, like, that's what they do. Like they, they, it's almost like a lunch meal. Then the main course is the, the traditional dinner, steak, surf and turf, you know, type thing than the desserts. I mean, like, it's almost like they have the mini cheeseburgers and stuff um, <laughs> for uh, appetizer. So you're, so you're going to go chicken nuggets for your appetizer, AP? Boneless wings. <laughs> <laughs> Boneless wings. <laughs> Anybody that knows me is listening to this going, Jesus, this is like every meal in Austin. Well, Hubs is just taking notes right now for our next staff dinner. Uh, that's, that's what we're going to be serving, right? I don't remember ever doing a staff dinner before. <laughs> 2025 or six or seven, somewhere along those lines, right? Hopefully I'm still employed by then, right? Probably. Depends on how you go. <laughs> we'll see. Volk West Podcast presented by the Exterior Home Solutions. Free estimate. Give them a call today, 865-524-5888, exteriorhomesolutions.com. Go check them out uh, today here in the springtime, heading on in towards summer. For awesome prize, Brent Hubs, I'm Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys for hanging out with us here today, sending in those questions, and for making the Volk West mailbag possible here on a Thursday. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.